0: Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here with us today. I want to thank Ronell for leading us in those songs. I especially appreciate Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. It's it's been a long time since we've sung that one. That's one of my favorites. And appreciate all the the young people who have helped us in uh, worship this morning. That's such an encouragement to see. And I want to thank all of you. I've had lots of conversations since we began this series last week talking about Christianity and the Bible and mental health. And and, and you've told me about things that I had no idea about. And, And there's been a lot of fruitful conversations. And so I want to thank you for that. This is a subject that touches all of us. And I want to kind of head in a different direction this morning. You know, when you begin to dig into... All the statistics surrounding mental health, um, the the data there is just staggering. However, it's also important for us to kind of take a step back and just ask why? Why is this happening? You know, what's going on here? Just because uh, someone has a statistic does not always make it so, because statistics themselves can be manipulated. There are various explanations for spikes and drops in statistics. You know, could it be that that people are just more comfortable nowadays talking about mental health? That's certainly a possibility. And it probably has something to do with the rising numbers that we're seeing. However, when you look at other data, it's also clear that this is a serious issue. As mental health problems began to rise, so did things like suicide, self-harm, and hospital visits. And so the, the rises we're seeing in statistical data is not just a fluke, something is terribly wrong. And so now that we know that we can trust that data, we still need to come back to this question and ask why. Why is this happening now? Why is this happening in our time? what are we doing differently than previous generations? The data shows us that things our culture associates with quality of life, these things have gone up in recent years. And so people have more money, um, they have bigger homes, they have more possessions, they're living longer. And so it seems that we should be more happy, but we're just not. People are less happy. People are more depressed and they're less hopeful. They're worried and they're anxious. And so what's going on? Well, before we dive into that question, I want you to consider the following story. David Klein is an Amish farmer in Ohio. And one of the things that he does is he gives tours to people who come to Amish country and they just want to, you know, see how the Amish live. And at the end of each of these tours, there's a time for questions and answers. And after one tour, a lady raised her hand and she asked, you know, is it true that you don't have televisions? And David replied, yes, it is. And she said, why, why is that? And he said, well, for Amish people, when we think about the adoption of a technology, we always ask the question, Is it good for the community? Is it good for the community? And he said, you know, we've noticed just by talking to people with TVs that families who have TVs, they don't talk to each other. They don't do things together. And it destroys family life. So we decided as a community, we're just not going to have televisions. And the woman said, hmm, okay. Okay. Then he replied, now let me ask you a question. In fact, I'll ask all of you a question, he said. How many of you believe that televisions have been bad for your family? And every hand went up. And then he said, and how many of you decided to get rid of your television? And not a single hand went up. Now that's fascinating. We adopt things we know that are not good for us. Things that do not help us live an abundant life. Things that are not best for our families, communities, and relationships. We know this and we do it anyway just because we want to. Now I am not saying that we should all become Amish and throw out our televisions. But what I am suggesting is that the Amish sometimes ask some really good questions and there's wisdom in what they do. Even if we disagree with how it's practiced. The question that they ask about technology, I believe, is a good one. Is it good for the community? That's a great question. Now keep this story in mind as we explore how we have arrived at where we are at when it comes to mental health. You know, when we consider why mental health problems have risen drastically in recent years, we need to understand there are multiple factors. We are complex beings, we are heart, mind, and body. The cause of mental health issues can be physical, they can be biological, they can be psychological, they can even be spiritual. And often it's a mix of all of them. And we don't need to neglect any of those factors. Another factor that impacts our mental mental health is environment. And so I'm talking about things like the time and place in which we live. I'm talking about things like the culture in which we are a part of. These are things that can have an impact on our mental health as well. Uh, Just just think about um, soldiers and veterans who often experience mental health problems because of the environment in which they served. Consider that mental health statistics, they vary from country to country. And so some cultures are better for a person's mental health than others. Some places are better than others, Sometimes are better than others. And so this raises the question, what is it about the times in which we live that has caused mental health problems to rise? Well, not every mental health issue can be solved by addressing our environment. So again, if you're struggling with a mental health issue, see a professional. But still, we must acknowledge there are ways of living that we are engaged in That are sometimes not good for our health there are practices and habits that we regularly participate in that are not good for us mentally and this is what we want to explore this morning and so seven is a good biblical number and so here are seven cultural trends that have caused mental health problems to rise and the first is this more screen time and less community there are many aspects of this truth. But I want to begin with young people. As we saw last week, health officials have announced a mental health crisis in our country related to children's and teens and mental health. Something is wrong. What is it? Well, there's more than one culprit um, when, when we begin to address this big issue, but we need to know that depression, suicide, and other mental health issues began to rise with the introduction of the smartphone. Now, people have debated some of this data over the years, but the more research that is done, the more it becomes clear there's a correlation between mental health issues and social media and smartphones. And if you want to look at the data yourself, go ahead and do it. Um, A good place to do that is Jonathan Haidt's substack entitled After Babel. If you want the, the link to it, I can give it to you. But here are the results of one of the latest surveys that were conducted. It says this, when they plot the age of first smartphone on the x-axis against their extensive set of questions about mental health on the y-axis, they find a consistent pattern. The younger the age of getting the smartphone, the worse the mental health that the young adult reports today. And this is true in all the regions studied The survey is offered in English, Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, Arabic, Hindi, and Swahili. And the relationships are consistently stronger for women. So one of the best things that you can do for your child is to keep them off social media and not give them a smartphone. They are highly addictive and they capture our attention so that we're more interested in the phone than we are in the people who are sitting right next to us. And this is especially problematic for children and teens who are supposed to be developing important social skills that will benefit them throughout life. Now we can talk a whole lot about kids and smartphones, but the fact that we spend more time in front of screens than we do interacting with other humans is a problem that touches all of us. Adults of all ages spend much time on Netflix and social media And the internet and cable TV and we have gone from a society that was community based a society that knew and interacted with our neighbors to being a society that is obsessed by the glow of our screens well God designed us to live in community isolation is not healthy the first time that God declares something not to be good is in Genesis 2:18 where he says it's not good that the man should be alone. Technology is wonderful in many different ways. It has made tasks easier. It has made us more productive. It's allowed us to feed more people. It has helped us to extend the life of human beings. It has allowed us to communicate with people all around the world very easily. And so technology has blessed our lives in many ways, but this does not mean that we should blindly accept any new technology. If technology takes us away from our families, if it discourages community, if it disrupts our relationships, then we need to declare along with God, this is not good. It's not good for us to be isolated and alone we were created for community, and getting away from our community is not good for our mental health. Experts will tell you this, but God told us about it a long time ago. Second, more polarization, less hospitality. And so we have become a culture that distrusts one another. We've become a culture that hates one another. And just think about this. What does it do to our minds not to be able to trust the people around us? What does it do to our hearts to go around being filled with hate? Well, it's not good. In defining love in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so as Christians... We are to believe the best about other people, unless we know otherwise. We are to hope for the best. And this is what love does. But we live in a time when this is a rare quality. Some of what we, look, we just looked at before has led us to this place. We stay inside and we watch our TVs rather than have our neighbors over for dinner. We listen to what TV pundits say about the people around us rather than getting to know them ourselves. And this is not good for our nation. It's not good for our towns and cities. It's not good for our churches. And it's not good for our mental health. Instead, what we need to do is we need to follow the example of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus regularly ate with people. He used tables to form relationships and minister to people in need. He practiced hospitality, but he didn't just do it with the people who were like him. You know, we live in a culture where we only want to listen to people who agree with us. We only want to have friendships with people who are just like us. We only want to share our tables with people who also share our beliefs, our politics, and our worldview. But guess what? Jesus did not do this. Jesus Jesus shared his table with people who were different. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. He shares a, a drink with a Samaritan woman at a well. He did not think the worst of the people that he met. He did not distrust people who were unlike him. He refused to live that way. Instead, he shared his table and he sought to be a blessing to the people around him. And this is what abundant life looks like. We wear ourselves out when we go around the world or we go go throughout life and we're just paranoid. Instead, we need to seek to be like Jesus and live the abundant life that he wants us to live. Third, more fear and less hope. We live in a time when fear is peddled everywhere we go. It's peddled on television, it's peddled by politicians, it's peddled in advertisements. The world wants us to be afraid, but God says to us, do not be afraid. Over the last decade, teenagers who say they feel persistent sadness has increased by 70%. Four in 10 teenagers say they are consistently sad, hopeless, or anxious. One of the most troubling statistics in all the mental health data is that the younger generations, especially Gen Z, are less and less hopeful. They have little hope for the future. This, is, this should concern all of us. And we should ask ourselves, why is this? Why do uh, young people have no hope? Think about it. Think about what kids are being told from the left and the right. Think about what kids are hearing from their parents and grandparents who are watching the 24-hour news networks. Think about what kids are, are reading and seeing on social media. It's all fear. It's either the government is taking over and there's no hope for our country, or we are destroying our planet and it's not going to last. And these are the messages that they're being told. And so it's no surprise that our kids and grandkids, they have no hope. We are scaring the children, and it's not good for their mental health. You know, the people that Peter wrote to in 1 Peter had it much, much worse than we do. They lived under a pagan emperor who did not accept their religion. They were being persecuted for their beliefs. They were suffering under these circumstances. And notice what Peter writes to them. You know, people would look at the lives of these Christians and think, you know, there's no reason for them to be joyful. There's no reason for them to have hope. And yet, that's exactly what they found. They found people who were full of joy, even though they should have had none. They found people who were hopeful when they should have been hopeless. Our children should not hear fear, fear, fear. It's not good for them, and it's not good for us. They should hear hope, hope, hope. We are not to be spreaders of fear. We are to be spreaders of hope. And being people of hope is good for our mental health. You know, I love the tagline for the movie, The Shawshank Redemption, because it's a truth that we all need to hear. Fear can hold you prisoner, but hope can set you free. And so, reject fear and choose hope. Four, we're more busy and we rest less. We're a culture that rushes and rushes. We fill every second of our lives with something to do. People talk about the fear of missing out, and so it's no wonder that more and more people are anxious We go and we go and we go. And the question we ought to ponder often is this Is this good for my soul? You know, it might be something that I want to do, it might be exciting, it might be fun, but is it good for my soul? The psalmist speaks of being still and knowing God. (laughs) Jesus regularly rested throughout his ministry, he sleeps in the middle of a storm. He takes time to go away and pray. God rested on the seventh day. We need rest. This is why there's a whole theology around the concept of Sabbath throughout the Bible. Because rest is necessary for human beings. Rest is necessary for our world. It's essential for our mental health. And so if you're not getting adequate rest, uh, you know, you may be suffering because of it. It's going to eventually catch up with us, and the area of our bodies that lack of rest may affect could be our minds, our brains, and so we need rest. Fifth, there's more oversight and less adventure. And so just this week, the Journal of Pediatrics published an article entitled, Decline in Independent Activity as a Cause of Decline in in Children's Mental Well-Being. And so within one generation, we have gone from raising our children in a play-based environment to raising our kids in a screen-based environment. Now that alone is not the problem, but the problem is a lack of independent play. We no longer allow our children to go outside and play unsupervised. We live in the day and age of helicopter parenting. And what experts are discovering is that kids desperately need unsupervised play. And that might scare some of us parents, but it's true. They need to learn to work out their problems on their own. They need to learn to take risk in low-risk situations. Safetyism has not done our children any favors. When our kids grow up in a bubble, Guess what? They become anxious adults because they've not learned how to adequately deal with risk and adversity. Now, this may seem like an unusual biblical point. Um, you know, sure, the sociological data is all there, but what does this have to do with Scripture? Well, the Bible calls us to protect the most vulnerable among us, you know, pure religious caring for widows and orphans um, in their affliction. However,. Scripture is also up front about our own calling. Following Jesus is not always safe. The early Christians understood this. They were persecuted. They were martyred. Life was not always easy. And consider the call to discipleship that they were given. And this is the same call that's given to us. Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross... And follow me. We need to understand that life involves risk. We cannot avoid it. And so it's good for our mental health to learn to overcome risk. Life can be difficult, but we can get through these difficulties and move forward with the help of Jesus. Because he is our model for overcoming trials and suffering. Six, more comparison, less joy. and So it's not good for us to go through life comparing ourselves to others. Scripture warns us against envy and jealousy. And one of the things that social media has done is it's invited us to constantly compare ourselves to others. And this has been especially detrimental to teenage girls who are sensitive about their body image. And survey after survey shows that teenage girls are not happy when they spend time on Instagram. And these are not just surveys done by outsiders. Facebook's own data shows this. They knew it was bad for teenage girls, but they refused to do anything about it because it was making them money. Now the same can happen to adults as well. How people represent themselves on social media is not always truthful. You know, we only post the good photos, and and we only do that after they've been edited, you know. We only post ourselves having fun or going on adventures. And so what we post on social media is is a small fraction of our actual lives. But it's often the most attractive part of our lives. And so when people see this, they can be jealous. They they can become envious of what they do not have or, or are not doing. And so social media has created this reality. Arthur Brooks says, social comparison is the thief of joy. The Bible calls us to be joyful. It is a fruit of the spirit. And so if something is robbing us of joy, we need to back away from it. We need to set up boundaries so we're not being robbed of something that God wants us to have. And finally, number 7, more distraction, less devotion. Throughout most of history, people would just naturally think of God throughout their entire day. And this was because all kinds of things in their lives were connected to God. The weather was connected to God. Their health was connected to God. People lived simpler lives in ancient times, and this allowed them more time to contemplate the things of God. And compare this with modern times. We live in much different times. In modern times, people may go days, sometimes even weeks, maybe even months, without ever considering God. The mind of modern man is not continually fixated on the things of God. We have modern science to explain the weather. We have modern medicine to explain sickness and disease. Now again, we should be thankful for all of these advances. But we also need to acknowledge how they have changed our thinking. Now, I'm not saying this next thing just because I'm a preacher. You can, you can look at the data yourself, and if you want it, I'll give it to you. But, but, but here's one of the statistical data that, that, that researchers have found. The more times a person attends worship, the better their mental health is. And so people who attend worship weekly are less likely to experience depression, anxiety, and other mental issues. Now, this does not mean that Christians do not experience mental health problems. We do. Sometimes people who are quite faithful, people who are even famous for their faith, experience serious mental health problems. But what it does mean is that caring for our spiritual wellness is also a way of caring for our mental wellness. So again, we're complex beings. And our spiritual health is connected to our mental health. We were created to worship God. We were created to live a certain way. And when we embrace the way of Jesus, we are embracing a way of living that that, that blesses us in many different ways. And so thinking about God and being with fellow Christians is good for our mental health. And so there they are, seven cultural trends that have caused mental health issues to rise. If you're struggling with mental health, see a professional. But also remember, there are multiple factors that contribute to our mental health, our mental well-being. And so I'd also encourage you to consider your environment, consider your habits, your choices, Consider your spiritual well-being. It may be that you need to talk to a counselor. But it may also be that you need to talk to a spiritual leader. You may need someone to pray with you and to look at Scripture with you. Mental health is not just one thing. But always remember, you're not alone. There are people who love you and would like to help you if that's what you need. You're not alone physically, but you're also not alone spiritually. Think about Jesus. Think about his life. Jesus himself endured great agony. He sweated blood. And so he understands our trials and tribulations. And he is with us no matter what we face. And so don't ever give up. God loves you. We love you. And we need you. You are an important part of our church family. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you today and we just thank you for all the many ways that you have blessed us. I pray that we would uh, look at your word for wisdom and we would let it to guide our lives and that we would adopt these practices that um, benefit us in many, many ways. And that we would remember that you're always with us. that you are a help to us and you are an encouragement to us and that you are with us throughout our struggles. May we take comfort in these things. We're so grateful for your son Jesus who came to this earth and died upon the cross. pray this in his name. Amen.